You're listening to the Impact Theory Podcast, your source of empowering ideas and actionable techniques from the world's highest achievers. Join host Tom Bilyeu, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition, on a journey to unlock your potential and realize your vision of success. Welcome to Impact Theory. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to our Facebook Live episode of Relationship Theory. I am your co-host, Tom Bilyeu, and I am here with... Lisa Bilyeu. Yeah, buddy. And we're going to be talking relationships, taking your questions, as always. All right, let's get right into it. All right, let's get right into it. So this is a question from um, last week's episode on YouTube. Okay. And um, I need to get more social. Like, I don't really go and make... I know, you hate it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't really comment often. I get very busy and sadly, in fact, not sadly, I don't prioritize it and I really start should start to but this caught my eye so much that I actually responded saying how much I love the question wow this so, really must be a question and a half then so this is the first to. question this is from Kayla Wilburn on YouTube okay. and she says my boyfriend tells me it isn't his job to validate me is this a red flag <laughs> I love this question all right well why don't you break and it down? I love it because I think we're gonna have different answers very interesting all right well, or at least an adaptate I think you'll probably yeah adapt my answer a bit i'll adapt your answer i'm not sure how to take that well because you're saying i bite your answers is that what we're we're saying no um okay so yeah so it isn't his job to validate me well the question is do you validate yourself right do you have um self-confidence and are you strong enough within yourself that you can take let's say outside criticism in general The problem is I remember I used to look at you and almost the same thing, like want validation of am I pretty, Um, am I smart enough, am I doing a good job? Like I would turn to you for that. And I remember you basically turned around to me one day and was like, you need to find that within yourself because you need to feel that on a basically day-to-day basis. And I can't remember the exact words that you used, but after us talking through it, it made sense, right? Because if you're having a bad day, if you're distracted, if you're just pissed off, whatever the situation may be, if you turn around and you say something that, you know, is flippant to you, you don't think about it, but then I take it to heart and now I base my validation on what you're saying to me, it's a downward spiral. I think it's super dangerous. Um, But, but, I think it's also very important that you are there to lift me up when I need it, right? If I turn to you and I say, look, I'm feeling really down right now or I'm really struggling right now and I turn to you for like, hey, am I doing a good job? One, you're always going to be honest with me. So if you actually think that I'm slacking, you'll phrase it in a way that makes me feel good and motivated. Um, But then you'll be like, okay, this is what she needs for me as my, you know, as the husband, she's looking for this. But on a day-to-day basis, I actually think the boyfriend's right. I think that you need to find validation in yourself and not seek it from other people. Respect. So um, I'm going to adapt your answer now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's, the, here's the truth from my perspective. If I could watch their relationship for an hour, I would tell you what the real answer is. And I actually don't know who's right and who's wrong. So to your point, Um, everybody has to find that within themselves. And he is right that it isn't his job to validate her. Um, But if I were watching their relationship, I'd be able to tell if she is um, in a state of an inflamed deep limbic system where it's like everything is perceived as negative, which is always um, dangerous. That if you're not able to accurately sort of assess a situation and figure out whether the input is actually negative or if you're just perceiving it as negative, if it's neutral or if it's positive. So she may be... um, like you said, feeling very insecure, not have the stability inside. She's turning to him for the external validation. He probably gave it in the beginning. Um, This is sort of theory A, because I think there's two equally plausible theories. Theory A, um, this is somebody who just hasn't found that within themselves. External forces have been allowed to um, create a very unstable sort of um, internal representation of herself, and thusly she needs the feedback externally super dangerous position to be in. You're never going to have self-esteem. You're never going to have self-confidence because you're always looking to the outside world. Okay, that's option one. 
And let's say that he supported her in the beginning of that, and then over time it begins to wear on him to always have to be that external validation. And so in a moment of fatigue, you know, let's say three years into a relationship or whatever, he blurts out, it's not my job to validate you, okay? That's very plausible theory A. Yeah. Very plausible theory B is um, he's a dick. <laughs> and he, it is a red flag, and yeah. it is... In a relationship, I believe one of the most important foundational elements is to make the other person feel better about themselves when they're around you than they do when you're not. Mm -hmm. And so what starts as a confident person slowly erodes over time. I'm actually reading Layla Ali's biography right now in preparation for tomorrow's interview. And that's something like watching that happen to her where she'll make an initial, let's say, I think she would agree, poor choice in the person that she brings into her world, but there's an initial flurry of excitement and romance and that person does make her feel better, but then over time they, in small ways and then sort of escalating into grand ways, they begin to erode her and chip away at her self-confidence. And by doing things that, at least in the retelling, paint them in, in a, a parasitic light, I guess is the only way. Like, I'm not even saying that they're intentionally trying to hurt her. It's just their behavior is one-sided. It's very selfish and it takes and takes and takes without ever giving. So if the person is in that mode and they're um, not making you feel safe, I think that's so big to create a safe space for each other emotionally where the person can be vulnerable. That's accepted as sort of a sacred space that you're not going to use that against them later. That's something we talked about either last episode or a couple episodes ago where... If you create a space where the other person can be vulnerable, they can tell you something that they're deeply concerned about and they have the courage to say it out loud, they've given you a weapon that you can use against them. If you ever use that weapon against them, in my definition, you're a dick. Well, it's, like that's, is it done? It's done in the relationship. I, I mean, look, I think there's going to be slip-ups like beat, cheat, right? Those are always your two big things. There was never the, and if you use this against me in the future, because there have been times where I've said something, you're like, whoa, I'm that really stung that you use that. Yeah. And I thought, oh my God, like... I totally get what you're saying now, not at all my intention. So I won't put that like in the cardinal sin category, but like if it's repeated behavior, you're going to make that person insecure and then they're gonna need that validation even more. So it's like, how do you, like let's say that she is a completely um, deep limbic systems, not inflamed, she's able to accurately perceive negative, neutral, positive, and she is looking for a safe space, she's looking to be vulnerable and to not have those weapons used against her, and they are occasionally, either intentionally or unintentionally being used against her, the space becomes unsafe. Like, then I get how we reach this moment where mm. she's like, hey, I'm sure she never said I need you to validate me, but I would understand how the behavior becomes like, I'm looking for that thing in this relationship, right? right? Because here's where I think people really get in trouble. There's so much momentum and, um, uh, what is the right word? It's not logistics, but there's like uh, connective tissue in a relationship. You're living together. Maybe you have kids. Um, the finances are intermingled. It really does become very, very difficult to just tell someone, hey, extract yourself from the relationship. Like it's, it's a ball. So there's certainly going to be this period where you're going to try to work it out, even if it's sort of hopelessly gone. So I can also imagine that scenario. So it really does come down to being super objective. And because each of those scenarios are so plausible, this is why I tell people just always assume it's your fault. Because if you start with, okay, this is my bad. I'm being overly sensitive. I'm asking this person to essentially be my externalized self-esteem, which is exhausting for anybody to have to be, and you process through that and get to the end of that rainbow and go, that really just isn't it, then you can accurately maybe assess the other part and begin to extract yourself from the relationship or make behavior changes of the, on the other person's part. But um, if you don't at least start with, this is all my fault, and really comb through your behaviors, what you're building your self-esteem around, why like you're insecure, like for me to think about how long you would have to like chip away at me before you could actually damage my self-esteem. And I've given you a lot of things with which to damage my self-esteem. Like you would know those things to mm -hmm. cut right through me. But at the same time, I understand human psychology, my own and others well enough to be inoculated from some of that. Um, usually at the end of a relationship, certainly with somebody that gets spiteful, they're going to try to cut you in those moments. So mm -hmm. I've been through that enough to go, Objectively, I that doesn't right. damage me. Yeah. 
Yeah. Wow. I could actually really keep going on about that. It's a good well, question, right? That's a great question. Yeah. So many different. Um, but I wish angles. we could like throw up on the screen and say, "Hey, look at there. This is the relationship in reality, right. and it's a push pull, and it's sure. both people." And but at the end of the day, you've got to want to work through it and really sit down and be emotionally sober, and um, talk through the problems without getting wound up, as you would say. <laughs> and at this point, I would say. All right, next question. Um, so Ellen Elton says, I've had huge trust issues to break through. I've been making progress. It's about me, not anyone else. That's, that's more not of a, a question. Yeah, I guess that's more of a statement. That <laughs> <laughs> was a topic, sorry. <laughs> I was like, there's no question mark at the end of it. <laughs> um, so made... how, what, how do you get over your own trust issues? Is that where huge... we're headed with that? Yeah. Um, well, I think one, it's important to note that some people aren't worthy of trust, but you have to take people on a case by case basis. And this is something that I think about, you know, when you hear other people's stories and something calamitous has happened to them and you get how they find themselves in a difficult position or even just people that find themselves single in their, you know, mid thirties or early forties or Jesus later. And at that point, you've had so many experiences. How do you come to meet any person with mm. um, a freshness, a lightness? And while I won't say that I could answer that question from a relationship perspective, I can tell you guys how we did it from a personality perspective. So business has hardened us both. I think that's fair. Um, I wanted it to toughen me up, so that's probably even more dangerous. And then we began to detect in each other's personality like a lack of lightness, levity, if you will. And so we really had to process through that and talk about how we bring that, that sort of lightness, um, God, what other word, childlike? Like when somebody is just enthralled by life, they're upbeat, they're passionate, they're excitable, like there is a lightness. That's the perfect word. I don't have anything better to it. To them, there's, um, God, I, not, it's not frivolous. There is a word for this, but uh, I am totally blanking on it right now. And we had to engineer that back into our lives because as we got um, toughened by business, as you get burned by a thousand different things and people and um, moments that it does begin to steal you against things. And I think that that is useful but only to a point so i would say in a relationship you you have to watch out for that you have to be able to approach a new person um not foolishly not foolheartedly you don't throw yourself into mm -hmm. you know love and move in after a week i mean that's not what i'm saying but you do need to be able to say this is um a person their brain is plastic they can change so even if they have been a negative influence in somebody else's life if they have been somebody unworthy of trust in the past like is this somebody that I'm interested in enough that we can grow together and process through this and talk through it, define things that are meaningful to us from a trust perspective? Um, and I, I think that it, you know, it's going to be a little bit slow in the beginning. You can't ask somebody to be totally vulnerable with you on day one, you know, so it takes time. Mm -hmm. But I think you focus on the mechanics, create a safe space, create rules. Um, if you tell me anything in confidence, like I'll just tell you this right now. If my wife were to uh, cheat on me, I would still never reveal your secrets. Yeah, you know what I mean? 100%. And like, so, but that's like an identity that's not, thing. I was about to say, that's because you're, that's not who you are. Right. And to sink to other people's levels when they treat you badly um, isn't who you are as a human being. So I think in those moments, that's when you're tested because it's very easy to say, I'm never going to, you know, um, I don't believe in, payback and you know getting somebody because they've done me wrong but it's very different when you're feeling that emotion um and that's yeah that's not who you are yeah so i think that at the end of the day if you have trust issues that you have to process through you have to remember that not everybody's the same um that you need to create the space for people to earn that trust not make it an impossible bar to um, get over that it is a reciprocal thing that you're literally rules of engagement and uh, we have rules of engagement in our relationship. I think every relationship needs them. I think you need to tell somebody your expectations uh, in terms of like, hey, if I'm going to tell you something, I want to make sure that this isn't going to be used against me. And then people will 
people will tell you who they are, whether they intend to or not. So if somebody comes into the relationship and they're bad mouthing their ex and they're talking all kinds of shit, yeah. then just assume that that's exactly how they will be about you when you break up. So remember, you don't divorce the same person that you marry, um, which I've always found fascinating. And the moment I heard that, I committed to myself that I would be the same person in any relationship when it was going well and when it was going poorly. Mm -hmm. um, and so obviously I hope to never experience that or have to prove that in our relationship, but I've had other relationships in which I've been able to prove that to myself. Um, and, and so just see how people are. Yeah, I remember when we first met and um, you came to England and I think we were dating for a couple of months and the day you left, that's, you know, not to put words in your mouth, but that you said that's the day you realised that you were in love with me. And I remember you had returned back to England and, uh, sorry, returned back to America and I was in England and you called me and told me that you love me. And for me, that was, it was that word that was like, if I say it back, I have to be 100% in this relationship. So I have to trust you 100% and because I'd had a previous boyfriend in a long relationship that wasn't a nice human being he was um, emotionally abusive and just an you know not a very nice guy so when you had said that I had told myself if I say it back this is when I'm going to give my 100% I'm not just going to say it back and you know still not trust you like that was kind of my at least in my head that was my rule the next time I say I love you, but I have to give it my all in that relationship. So yeah, like that was, once I said it back, I was like, I'm going to trust you, knowing that it's very possible you're going to hurt my, hurt me, whatever. So Yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point. So one of the things that I think is most beautiful in a relationship, and look, I get it, this is advanced class stuff, and so this is very dangerous. Um, but one of the most beautiful things in a relationship is, is having been hurt in the past, knowing that you will be hurt again in the future yeah. and still putting yourself out yeah. there and still being open and still loving. And um, so, for instance, I mean, obviously, we all know that I want to live forever, but I'm not retarded. I understand that there's like a, a, a very real chance that one or both of us um, don't make <laughs> the cutoff. And so that even if we don't get even if we were to never separate, I actually have a really hard time saying the word divorce. Like I've so ingrained it in my mm. head. So even if we were to separate for whatever reason, um, you got emotional and that totally distracted me. Sorry. No, just uh, it like caught me by surprise. So, and I promise it happened one time in an interview and I didn't say anything and then I kicked myself later. So mm. I don't even remember what I was saying. I don't though. even remember either. Uh, I think we need to move on to the next question question oh really? do you remember what you were gonna say uh just about i think it was <laughs> i don't <laughs> my wife got emotional she never gets emotional all right uh so yeah i never i'm weird about the word divorce i don't make jokes i don't talk about it um so yeah and the home i could find it again but it would take me a while yeah all right never mind. okay sorry to those listening to the <laughs> podcast who can't see that your eyes got a little glassy there um, okay, this question is from Tracy Scott. Why did that make you emotional? I guess we should finish at least that thought. Why did you not say... The fact that I won't say the word divorce. Yeah, because you... you ha I love that you have that hard line. Like, sometimes you say things to me, like, you tease me a lot. And depending on what emotional mood I'm in, I don't want to be teased. Right. And so sometimes if you tease me and it's just hit me wrong... Um, yeah, it just, like, that's the one thing you'll never tease me about. That's the one thing. Because it holds so strong in your heart that you just never, you never joke about it. You never tease me. And that that little thing just, I don't know, it just really always shows me how much you love me. What? To not no, be cheesy. No, no need to be cheesy. The interesting thing is that for me, it, that isn't about love. That's about commitment. And there's a reason that I delineate. So the, when I got ritualistically scarred for our wedding, there was a reason that I separated those two things. Um, in fact, I even separated passion from that. So it, it's important to me to acknowledge that love is brain chemistry. Commitment is a choice, right? And so... Yeah, but... And I don't want to unromanticize it. Also, but, even just our commitment in our marriage, we would never stay married if we couldn't make it work. Totally agree. But what I want people to understand is that if you know that love is brain chemistry, then you have to learn to take control of your brain chemistry mm -hmm. and learn to 
recapture and recreate moments to make you feel that because it won't happen accidentally. It's like happiness. Happiness and love are very similar in that right, sense true. that if you don't work at it, it's not going to happen, true. right? So um, love also goes through phases and, you know, the, the, there's an element of surprise at the beginning of a relationship that you can't ever recapture as you go. And so how do you shift surprise to shared experience, right? And that, like, understanding that to me is, I think, really, really important. Again, this is master level class stuff, but mm -hmm. like... Understanding that, understanding how to affect your brain chemistry to refeel that sense of love and understand how not saying the word divorce to me is about commitment. And mm -hmm. it's very deliberate choices that I'm making to make sure that like that shit is ironclad. It's on a super solid foundation that the reason that I don't tease you about that is even though it's lighthearted and it's fun, it's like, there have to be some things that are sacrosanct. Like, the people are weird about me swearing, right? So if you have kids in the car, plug their ears. I love to swear, right? To say fuck or whatever because it impacts other people. If it didn't, if those words weren't special, if they weren't meant to be kept locked away and used mm. only in very limited quantity, they would have no power. And... But, like, in a foreign... You could tell me a swear word in a foreign language. It will have no impact on me. Because it's, in my mind, there's nothing to it. It, it. it carries no weight. It carries no power. By giving divorce power and then locking it away in this box and making it this thing, it's like it keeps me focused. It brings power to it. And in creating that power, it's like there's almost like a magnetic repellent effect to it that keeps me, like, you just don't bring that out casually because then it's just planted in your mind as, like, this okay thing. Mm. And I've had, because it's become so prevalent in society as, like, a possible go-to scenario, I wanted to lock it away to make it, like, Voldemort, that thing that shall not be named, to make sure that it carried the power that it really is. I mean, that is, like... When I think about how destructive that would be in our lives, like, yeah, that's crazy. And, and I'm not saying, by the way, that that isn't the right answer. If you became a psycho or I became a psycho, right. like, you should divorce me. I'm just saying, like, it should be recognized as the powerful and terrifying thing that it is. And it's those little things that make me trust you so much and, you know, give everything is that you, you have these little, like, rules in your head of um, how to how to make me feel, um, or maybe, yeah, I'm not sure how to explain I'm not that. sure where you're headed, but I do have... But it's those, like, for instance, like, I trust you 100%, right? I never, I've said this before, I never check your phone. I've seen many women flirt with you because of Quest Nutrition. You get a lot of um, female fans. <laughs> um, but I, 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 I've never once got jealous. It's never once bothered me. And in fact, I've even said to you sometimes, like, oh, well done, babe, you still got it. Right. Like, as a joke, but it's still... Um, I've, I've never doubted your love for me. And when people say, oh, you're so lucky, um, it's really... It's these little things, like what you just said about the word divorce. It's the little thing, not necessarily little, but you getting a tattoo. It's all these things that you've done over, you know, almost 16, 17 years of our relationship that has allowed me to give my 100% and not worry or have mistrust with you. No, for sure. And I mean, look, obviously that's a two-way street and it's something that we built together and, um, you know, didn't have it all at day one by any mm -hmm. stretch of the imagination, but have put a lot of effort into it. And, you know, one of the things just for anybody watching, like how to figure out your own rules, find the things that make you feel bad and make sure that you don't do that to the other person, right? So I just knew I wanted to feel safe. Well, then if I want to feel safe, I better make you feel safe. Mm -hmm. um, and if I want to feel loved, I better but make you, you feel But you say loved. that because I was going to get a tattoo with your name on, and you didn't want me to. Yeah, but that's like a personal thing. So I'm just not huge into, oh, this hate mail is coming my way. No, I'm not big into women with tattoos. Yeah, personal thing, personal just thing. not it's my not... shtick. I love tattoos. No, so. no. All right, I really want to get to some questions right, because yeah, there's so. a lot of people asking. So let's uh, let's start getting through them. Tracy Scott. Tracy um, Scott. Yeah, oh, what's gee, up, Tracy? Tracy? If only you could see Cindy's face right now. <laughs> Cindy's grinning ear to ear. 
Um, okay, on the note of not having kids, do you ever hear that you are selfish for not having or wanting to have kids? I hear it often and don't really have any idea how to respond. Any thoughts? Um, <laughs> I have thoughts. So I think obviously there's a lot more pressure on me than there is you. Yeah, for sure. Um, growing up in a Greek family, it was just assumed you'd get married and you'd have kids immediately. Um, I remember when I first said to you, like, because we were like planning out our future. Okay, we'll move to LA. This will be the day and blah, blah, blah. And I think I even said, and you know, in about a year we'll have kids. And you're like, what? You were like horrified because I guess again, it was just my culture. I just, it, I didn't even ask the question. It was just, I just went along with it, which is terrible. Mm. But, um, and you're like, no, like we're still young. I want to enjoy you. I want to really like drink you in. Let's have, you know, we should have some years of it just being us. And so I was okay with that. And But as we started getting, or especially you started getting a lot more ambitious, driven, um, your mindset was just completely changing. Um, we would discuss it more and more like, is this the right time? Is this the right time? And it wasn't until I actually started, we started Quest and I started working um, at the company that I found myself. So once I realized, I don't know, like, I'm so loving what I'm doing. I'm growing um, as a woman, as a businesswoman. I'm learning so much. We then had the discussion on whether we were going to have kids or not. Um, and once we had kind of decided, because it's quite a long story, I don't know how much detail to go into, but once we had actually decided to not have kids because of the ambition and because we wanted to do, um, it was hard for me to admit it to certain women because I knew I would be judged. And um, <clears throat> so, yeah, that was tough. And so it took me about a year, I think, after we had decided to not have kids. And I guess the reason why we decided to not have kids is we had the honest discussion of what would that look like, right? What would our lives be like if we had children? You're my number one, I'm your number one right now. And so if I had children, you become my number two. Um, just by, because, right, that's, instinctual the woman has to like focus and take care of the child and you didn't want to be my number two and then I started to analyze what our lives would be like from the other side of things where you're going to work every day you're extremely ambitious you work 12 13 14 15 hours a day like every day so now you come home you're gonna want to see the children so now I have to obviously share you and look I'm being very candid here and I know that some people may not like you know but I will have to share you with the children. So now I may get 30 minutes with you, right? If you think about how much you work, like even now I don't get 30 minutes, but it would be important to me that you were a good father. And so it's not that I wouldn't want you to spend that time with the children. It's just that would be the reality. And so then we analyze what would that life look like? I would be at home because I don't want to be, and this is just a personal preference. I don't want to be a part-time mother. Um, I would want to raise them. And so I'm at home all day. I'm not working with you. We're not growing together. We're not building what we're building together. You're coming home. I'm barely seeing you. And we just said that's not, you know, the life we really want. And so once we decided that, um, I became very, like, okay with it. And that was, you know, something that I was definitely confident in. It took me about a year to admit it. And then by the time I admitted it, I was like, you know what, why do I let other people's opinions affect me? Like, why, why, is, it, why is it not okay for me to decide to, have, to not have children, but it's okay for other people to have children? Like, there's such judgment on that. And some people, I guess, see me as being less of a woman if I'm not, if I don't have children. Um, it is... So going back to your thing, Tracy, I actually think it is selfish of me. I'm doing it because I want to, but I don't think that's a problem. That's the final, yeah, that was my final thought. I don't think it's a problem. It is selfish because I'm putting myself first, but people who want children are doing it for themselves, so isn't that technically selfish? I think it is, but it's not a bad thing. So I'd say you need to be confident in owning your decision. And if people are going to judge you, then maybe they're not the right people to have in your lives. If you want a fighting chance against the competition, you need to be using the best technology and platforms in the world like Shopify. 
for whatever and wherever you want to sell from launching to going international. Shopify is the global commerce platform that will help you grow at every stage of your business. Shopify is your all-in-one platform to quickly and efficiently take your business to the next level. Now, I love everything about Shopify because it makes it so easy for you to start, run, and grow your business. It didn't used to be this easy. I'm telling you back in the day, it was a lot harder. I'm so jealous. Shopify powers more than 10% of all US e-commerce because businesses that want to grow quickly and efficiently choose Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash impact, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash impact now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash impact. If getting your hands dirty and taking good care of your car or cars is a passion of yours, then eBay Motors is here for the ride because I'm sure you remember when you first saw the potential in that beauty. And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly with ebay motors brake kits led headlights exhaust kits turbochargers bumpers whatever your baby needs ebay motors has it and with ebay guaranteed fit it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time or your money back plus at these prices you're burning rubber not cash keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply yeah, my answer is literally, it's selfish, it's amazing. Like, be selfish, live your life. It doesn't matter, like, yeah. whether we have kids or not does not yeah. impact, other than your mom, my mom, your dad, my dad, I guess they could sort of, like, be pissed because it directly impacts their lives. Um, but that's why they had multiple kids. <laughs> Place your bet on one of the other ones. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, it is selfish. I don't see a problem with that. Go live your best selfish life. Word. What? What's the next question? All oh, right. Um, this is from Olavi Ohola. We have some of the best names in our community. I know, and I'm Can always, I'm real? really bad. I Being Greek, I would think that I'd be able to read weird names all the time because Greek names are just you should be able to read long syllables names, or longer. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. Um, hey Tom and Lisa I want to ask both of your opinions on this situation you've met this dream person you want to spend the rest of your life with but you don't want to yet want to yet because you're ashamed or embarrassed that you don't have the financial freedom to give her the whole wide world let me say what yeah that's my answer if she doesn't she's not already into you for I actually I literally don't understand this this sounds like madness to me why because it isn't about giving the person money. Like, that never crossed my mind. Like, is a serious thing they, with you? They like, clearly have their own shame, right? Their yeah, sh- yeah, yeah, exactly. But, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, you're a work in progress. Human beings are all, like, until the day you mm-hmm. die, you're in the middle of your journey. Mm-hmm. So, to, that's what I don't get. Like, people look at where they are today. And I'm not sure where, what age this sets in at. Like, maybe after college. But, like, people begin to have the sense that who I am today. So, up until, let's call it 22, 23, people have the sense of I'm building to become something. And then, at 22, 23, they think I am that thing Mm -hmm. and I will perpetually be that thing now forever. So, if you look at the beginning of their life, it's like all these things, they knowingly acquiring skills, becoming something, trying to get good at this, this phase, that phase. And then they think the vast majority of their life now is this end and like that's so dangerous because one day becomes the next becomes the next becomes the next and it's 40 50 years mm-hmm. down the line and you've not put the same effort and energy into changing and becoming something different so when i met you it was like okay sure i'm broke today i don't have a job today your father's not very impressed with me today obviously i get that but this isn't like i don't even think of the person that i am now like i can easily you know me I could flip a switch right now and be embarrassed by what we have, okay? The rest of the world will think me an intolerable asshole, and I get that from their perspective, but it would be very easy, and in fact, I do. I spend 20% mm-hmm. of my time with that, fl- that flip switched. Right. Switch flipped? Switch flipped. With that switch flipped. I'm the flipped, one that doesn't know the difference between heat, cedar, and, cedar, and yeah. sea. Yeah, fair enough. 
So I spend 20% of my time with that switch flipped so that I'll stay hungry and stay pushing and totally dissatisfied and, mm -hmm. and always moving forward. So um, I think that people just really, really have to understand that you're not some final product. So bring that person in, so man. Let say, them be a part of that part journey. Of, yeah, Absolutely. I was literally about to say that. Like, that's actually exciting. Like, if she can get on board and you guys are really meant to be, you know, with There is no other, meant to be. Sorry, I had to say that. But I just mean, like... If, if he really feels like she's the one and she feels the same, mm -hmm. um, this is an awesome experience for you guys to go through together. Like you shouldn't be ashamed and you shouldn't be embarrassed and you really should see the joy in going through it together. Like I love, I love the fact that we built this together, right? I love the fact that I, you made, you know, we got to a point where we had to, collect coupons, clip coupons, you know, and that was a decision we both made. And that was something that was like super exciting for, I actually found joy in it. Like, I know it sounds weird, but I was actually excited at the time, like to be a part of this journey. Um, yeah, I guess because we always had our sights set on the big goal, we, um, we just found the joy in it. So yeah, I would say, don't be embarrassed. Don't 100%. be ashamed. Like invite them in. Like my thing is there's one thing I guess I would be a little embarrassed by. If you have a fixed mindset, like I would try to get out of that as fast as possible. Beyond that, I wouldn't be too embarrassed about anything. I forget who said it, but this is such an awesome quote. There's two things you should never, ever, ever worry about. Be embarrassed by, be ashamed of anything. One, things you cannot change. And two, the things you can change. You should never be embarrassed or worry about either of those things. And that encompasses the entire world. So, yeah, like the shared experience is the most amazing gift that we can ever have to go through life with people that we love and care about. And if that ends up being a single person who you're really sharing your life with, even better. But like just having even a small group of friends or family or both that you can share this life with, dude, that's the juice. Mm -hmm. It isn't about getting rich, I promise. Like you're not gonna get rich and be like, and now all my problems are solved. You're gonna get rich and go, and now I don't have money problems. But all the other problems will be just the same. Yeah. So invite that person in, share with them who you really are, make them feel good about themselves, and nothing else will matter. Remember, it is the rare person. In fact, no one ever, ever, and I'm thinking of 1929 right now, no one ever killed themselves because they didn't have money. People killed themselves because they thought the money said something about them, and they killed themselves because they no longer believed they could feel good about themselves. That's it, it isn't about money. So if you make that person feel good about themselves, if they feel better about themselves when they're around you than when they're not, they will cling to you. Like this is one of those secrets of the universe I don't understand. Like think about all the people that make you feel super good about yourself. You want to be around them. Mm. Make people feel good about themselves. And that's the thing, this um, Olavi, he clearly loves her, right? He's saying, I wanna give her the world. Right. So like, that is so strong and powerful, way more powerful than actually giving her the, the money. I'm with you. All right, next question. This one is from Thomas um, Henriques. How do I convey the necessity of chasing my goals on a daily basis to my fiance as a positive reinforcement? As a positive reinforcement, yeah. those words mean something very specific to me that I'm not sure. So let's answer it this way. How do you um, get that person on board with the fact that you're ambitious and you're gonna have to chase it? Uh, one, I think rules of engagement are very important. So very early on in our relationship, I told my wife, you can ask me to give up anything you want, anything except my ambition. It's the one thing you can't ever take from me because that's fundamental to who I am as a human being. It is the thing that makes me feel most like me. It is when I come alive is when I'm pursuing something with great and tremendous passion. So you can't ever ask me to give up my ambition. So I would start with that. Um, also, remember, it's all about making the person feel safe, secure, loved. Um, you wanna make them feel better about themselves when they're with you than when they're not. Like, if you're doing all of that stuff, then the ambition, hopefully they will be able to see is a key part of who you are and what you're trying to become. And that while they're giving up time with you, the time that they do have with you is intoxicating enough that you know they wanna go. I just have to say, that's not an excuse to neglect somebody, which by the way, I've been guilty of at times in my life, four shways. And my wife has always been the one to say, and now I'm feeling neglected. And because she doesn't ever abuse that, like, 
and I wonder how good you would say I am at this, but if she says I'm feeling neglected, I'll drop whatever I'm doing. Because like, A, you never abuse it. And B, I know that I always run the risk of that. But there's that fine line, right? Because I think some people, the reason why I'm very comfortable in just saying, hey, um, I'm feeling neglected. This is what I need from you. Is because I always ask myself the, the fundamental question. Does he love you? Right? Like, yes, he loves me. Okay, so he doesn't mean to neglect me. So I just need to bring it to your attention so we can fix it. Um, Versus some people that may not say it out loud, right? So now they're just judging that neglect on that they love me. Like, okay, they're neglecting me, so clearly they're not into me. Right. Um, So I think making that um, difference in your mind about how, like, does he genuinely love you? And is he just oblivious to your needs? Yeah, it's very possible. You're just oblivious to my needs right now because you don't know what I'm going through emotionally. So... um, yeah, I'm always saying, like, I just need... You don't often say that to me, though, <clears throat> that you're feeling neglected. I'm not wired like that. Yeah. You may actually just say, a, like, I want to cuddle. Yeah. Like, you say that to me, but it's never really, like... I think I put more pressure on myself that I'm neglecting you as a wife. In fact, I do. You put way yeah. more pressure on yourself about not neglecting me than yeah. I put on you. So, like... Way more. We're doing all Which these... is probably why I rarely feel neglected. Because you're always trying to like do some little thing just but to But also like, though, I think though, the little things that I do sometimes, I know I'm doing it for me to make me feel like a good wife. Yes, versus because I'm then, often telling because you, you to not. Because yeah. you're stressing yourself the fuck out. Yeah. And calm down. Like so for <laughs> instance, small example. I am, um, with the house renovations, we've got, um, you know, like a shelf is our kitchen. Mm. And so I've got paper plates, plastic forks, and then I've got a couple of like proper dishes and stuff. I hate eating from paper plates. I really do. And so I can't bring myself to, I would rather wash them in the bathroom sink than eat that's out madness. of paper plates. Now the thing is, you think that's madness. Total but madness. I feel like a, you're like, give me a paper plate and a plastic fork. I feel like <laughs> such a bad wife when I'm coming to bring him food and I've got one that's lovely amazing. dish and like a proper knife and fork <laughs> for myself. <laughs> and then My I wife bring, abuses me with paper plates. And then I plates. bring him, like, I just feel bad though. So and funny. so the other day, I don't think you even noticed I bought you a proper bowl. A, I didn't notice. You want to talk about <laughs> pearls on swine. I am the swine here. I, I don't, I don't, A, I don't even remember that. I know. B, you could like swap the, like you've seen those studies where the person is like talking to somebody and a painting <laughs> comes in between their field of view and then suddenly it's a different person and they don't even notice. You could, while I'm eating, replace a bowl with a paper plate. I would not notice. I know you would. I would not notice. But again, like I'm actually very aware that I'm doing it to make me feel like a Which good wife. Which is fine. Um, totally. So yeah, but no, I don't, have, you don't really say that to me like you're feeling neglected or no i mean look we all have something that we're just sort of naturally wired that's like nice and beneficial um that is one of mine like i'm just i'm not um i'm not high maintenance like that like i'm pretty relaxed and chilled and then on top of that you make me feel super secure and like you're always looking out for me and so i because of that like no neediness has a chance to build up over time Mm. because look if i were in a relationship that made me feel insecure over enough time i would either get out of it or start to feel needy and feeling needy would probably be the first sign for me that this is seriously dysfunctional i would address it immediately and if we couldn't fix it then that would be a goodbye scenario for me Mm. because i just don't i don't get it i don't literally i do not understand why people stay in a relationship where that person does not make you feel amazing like a relationship is sacrifice. Why are you sacrificing if you don't get something way better on the other side? Like I would just make, you'll never find me in a dysfunctional relationship ever. Like I just, I don't have, to, I, yeah. I can't tolerate that shit. It's so crazy to me. It's crazy town. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. I don't play that game. All right. Next question. This is from Chris Barry. What's up, What's up Chris? Chris? Um, what do you do when one person in a relationship tends to vent negative negativity and into interpret the world emotionally and you Mm. have trouble not taking that personally because them sharing that even when not about you feels like it's your fault sorry for the awkward phrasing (laughs) well that's to reread it uh, no 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 i totally get it i totally get it here's the problem i'm really i am a frustrating partner for you on this one because yes i i am like i totally get it and if i were giving Let's say I was giving Jared advice. I could very, Jared, you just need to be there, bro. Like, you just need to listen. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to solve the problem. Like, they just want to be heard, man. And then I fuck that up virtually every time. 
I just want to solve the problem. And it drives me mad. Like if you're really negative on something, because I'm so worried that like that will spin into like this like permanent because you're going to help me get into- yeah. So I just want to like help yeah. you like hey like reframe right. think of it this way. And you want to punch me in the face sometimes. Yeah, and we've had that discussion. We've actually said to each other like, and you <laughs> you even do this to me now, which in the emotional moment even still sometimes winds me up. But you're like. Do you just want to be hurt? <laughs> or do you want me to actually do something about like you? Yeah. But when you're all worked up, you're like, just let it. Like, yeah, you don't have that. You can't it. articulate it. But yep. we do do that, right? And we've worked together to really refine that as well. Like, okay, is this the moment that you actually want me to fix it? Because sometimes it's yes. It's like I'm having a real problem. I need you to go handle it. And again, like, we try to articulate that so there's no guesswork. Yes. Um, but there's this amazing scene for anyone that watches Sex and the City, you'll know this. There's this one scene where Carrie and their neighbor, she's like going, um, they've bought the apartment next door mm. and she's getting all worked up and the boyfriend, Aiden, is just like, don't worry, don't worry. And she's getting really upset, really frantic. And then eventually he walks in and he's like, I'm fucking pissed. And she jumps for joy. She's like, thank you. Thank you. I just want you to be in it with me just for this one moment. And I love that scene so much because sometimes I just want you to do that too. Yeah. If to I'm, be clear, you want me to be pissed when you're pissed. I just, just like, yes, that freaking sucks. And that is terrible. That's yeah. it. I don't need you to be pissed. I just want that confirmation. Don't you backtrack now. No, but You I want, want me to share that emotion, which I am terrible at, by yes. the way. But in saying that, I recognize what I want may not actually be what is best for me. And so I struggle with that, right? It's like, I want you to be with me. I want you to be pissed. I want you to be mad. I want you to be emotional with me because there's, that, there's comfort in that. Mm. But I also recognize that negative, negativity breeds negativity. So if I'm around people that are negative and they're fueling me and they're like, yeah, can you believe it? Oh my God. Like whether it was a friend, like she was such a bitch or whatever. Like I don't want that. I don't want people in those types of situations to feed in because then my anger and up, like me being upset, just it just fuels it. And I know that's not good for me. So there's that kind of cross between like, I don't want to bring negativity to the table, but sometimes, at least for me, and this is just a personal thing, I need to just say it out loud. I'm pissed, this winds me up, it's really frustrating, and then 10 minutes later I'll get over it and I'm fine. But I want to verbalize it, but I don't want it to appear that I'm always a negative person. Dude, I get it. And this is like one of those things that you and I, like it is an eternal, um, like, misservice. Like I, you, it's very clear how I could be better in that scenario for you. And I routinely fail at it. And that's one of those things. And I, I'm not even sure how to handle because I am cognizantly bad at it. Like I am aware because I am so tense about letting the balance swing in the other way mm-hmm. where it does become that negativity feeding negativity thing. And plus I have worked so hard to make sure that my mind, when something negative enters my mind, jujitsu happens and I immediately flip it to the positive, that I'm always reframing and seeing how the worst thing is the best thing, that like, I don't wanna stop doing that. I don't wanna get out of the habit of that. I always wanna be able to see instantly like what the positive thing is. And I've worked at that so much that now it seems natural from the outside because it happens so fast. And I'm so afraid of flipping back. And also it's just, at the end of the day, like I've read enough studies to know, if you get pissed off about something, your mind will retroactively make it a bigger deal to justify your reaction. Right. Right? Yeah. Just, it's yeah. just justifying the reaction. Yeah. Nothing about the situation has changed. But if you get amped up, your brain will go, yeah, that really must have been terrible because I got so pissed off about it. Whereas if you're totally chill, your brain goes, oh, well, I guess it couldn't have been that bad because I didn't get pissed off about it. And so, yeah, I'm always airing on that side and I can see it happening in real time. I'm like, oh God, like I'm frustrating her to no end. And I think though, that's probably one reason why I always turn to you. Like actually, like as I'm thinking about it right now, I never call family or friends to bitch and moan. I was actually like, I go through it emotionally first, I get over it and then I'll tell them the situation because I fear that they're going to be, they're going to fuel my negativity. Right. Yeah. So like even like the issues that I've had with my digestive tract and um, I, you know, did that IG post recently. So I'm now, you know, very comfortable in talking about it. Um, but like I had actively said to my family, so I was going through health issues for 
two years, if not longer, where I couldn't really eat much. And that's a whole other story that I'll talk about later. But um, I literally had said to my family, like my entire family, do not ask me how I'm feeling. Because now you're just make you're putting my mind in that negative spot of like, oh yeah, I'm sick. Oh yeah, I have health issues and I just don't want to be reminded of it to then put me into that negative right. loop and then people then being like oh yeah like that's so sad and that energy that um attitude just it rubs off so I think that like as much as I it winds me up when you don't like you're not on that like yeah at the same time I know it's absolutely the right thing right. but sometimes I do just want you to be quiet and just give me a cuddle and not give me advice yeah I know and, and I respect that, and I think that that's good, and I think I'm not, uh, I'm not saying I've figured this out yet. Yeah. All right, another question. Um, let's have a look here. Um, Rachel Headley Lomelli. Oh, God, I'm terrible at names. Rachel Headley Lomelli. Lomelli, yeah. All right. I feel like I'm ready in the best me I can be right now. Still learning and growing, of course. Um, really want to meet the one. I'm impatient. What's the best methods? I have a very simple, clear answer, but what's Go your answer? Go for it, no. I think the my internet, answer's going to be... The internet. Like, if I'm not saying Tinder. I have never <laughs> once been on Tinder, and the only experience I have with Tinder is from Reddit. It seems like an atrocity. Um, but, like, the... Internet dating is about the only thing I would consider. It is a numbers game. It is about meeting people. Um, but using, you know, like a essentially FAQ to like weed through people to get to the ones that you want. And then um, literally doing it systematically and just saying, okay, here are the people that meet my criteria. Do a quick phone call before anything else. Call them on the phone. Go on a date. And then like a brief like drink, coffee, whatever. Yeah. Something super brief. And then a lunch. And then maybe a dinner. And then, you know, you just sort of like make a schedule of escalating commitment. Um, and that's what I would do. Yeah. I'm the same. Internet, internet, internet. I don't see any two ways about it. Um, okay, so we've got one from um, Laura Dufresne. What's up, Laura? Laura Welcome. In the house. Um, oh God, I just. Oh yeah, here we go. Do you guys have any, any any secret signals to each other when you're out in public? Example: I'm ready to leave now. You're embarrassing me, etc. Nasi ora ebedi ahume eliniga. No. So basically, yes, we we speak Greek. Um, he learned Greek. Oh, we've got to tell the story one day of the whole My Big Fat Greek wedding. You got christened for me. You um, learned the language. You learned how to Greek dance. Yeah. Um, so we, yeah, so he speaks Greek now. So yes, we do have certain things. It's a secret code language. But the only problem is, is sometimes you'll speak Greek to me because you will say dirty things to me in Greek. The problem is people if think... If I had a secret signal, I'd be giving it to you now. Shh, shh. What are you talking about? <laughs> This is being recorded, woman. <laughs> and I'm sure there's Greek people out there probably listening. So, um, But yeah, oh God, I forgot what I was saying. Uh, apparently I'm saying dirty things to you oh, in Greek. Oh, right. So sometimes he just says dirty things to me in Greek. Um, and it may be around a bunch of people. Now, people assume the second you speak a different language, you're talking about them. So sometimes I get really uncomfortable because you're saying something super rude to me in Greek, just like totally nothing about anyone. In, but I recognize that other people think you're saying it about them. Right. So now they're probably thinking, oh, she wants to leave or, you know, whatever. Right. But we have Greek. And then the only thing is that sometimes you forget when we go oh, to London. Oh, I'm so used to it being a code language. That when we go to London, everyone in my neighborhood is Greek. Everyone, everyone and speaks her entire Greek. family speaks so Greek. So he's saying some rude things to me in Greek, and I'm like, my dad is right there. Like he speaks Greek, <laughs> and yeah. then he's like, oh god, oh, yes. oh god, oh, did he hear? Did he hear? Um, but also th from the movie Four Christmases, we do mistletoe. Yes. Oh god, that still makes me laugh. <laughs> I love that. Um, as like, save me. Yeah. So if you guys haven't seen the movie, absolute classic. We watch it every year. But there's this. They're about to go into one of their family's houses and they agree on the word mistletoe. If you're fed up and you want to leave, just say mistletoe and we'll go. So yeah. now that's like our code for I've had yeah. enough. And to be honest, though, we, I've done that just as a, um, 
when, you know, um, within the media department, I used to say to people, like, there were certain people that would come for me, like, they have an emotional mm. trouble, there's an issue that they're dealing with. And I would say, look, I completely understand. Let's come up with a code word because the second you're feeling overwhelmed and you have to take off and go home, all you have to do is say that word, I'll, I won't ask, you literally leave. Right. Or you text it to me. Like, I think it's so powerful to have that. Mm. Um, all right, so I think we've got time for one more question. Wow, already? Already. It, and do we get the full hour today? Yeah. yeah. Full hour. Whoa, wow, okay. Um, oh, there's two good ones. Which one do we go with? Um, all right, let's go with Daniel Breeze. How would you approach trying to help change your partner's unhealthy habit? For example, eating too much sugar. Oof. Uh, wow. You want to talk about a minefield. Yeah. Yeah, a minefield. So when I met you, you were a sugar fiend. Yes. You ate pie for breakfast. Occasionally. <laughs> That's like, people are literally, I can I see the memes the already. It's like. The funny thing is, I think you've only ever done it once. It was the first time I went to visit yes, your family. Yes, it was at Thanksgiving. And, but I never it was so shocking because that wasn't how I was brought up that literally I remember waking up and seeing you eat pie and I was like, oh God, you know, look, there's that, there's that fear of the person that you're with now. Are they going to be that person right. 10 years, 20 years? You were worried um, I was going to pack on a pound or two. Yeah, I mean, I guess... When one eats pie for breakfast, that is a legitimate is a, concern. Yeah, yeah, so I mean, I guess you need to be candid. Oh, we, we should be very candid. But yes, absolutely. You know, when... Um, you're, you've obviously spoken very openly about um, obesity in your family. Yeah, yeah, so, sure. um, you know, so yeah, that was a little concern. Um, yeah, so what advice would you give them? Man. Positive reinforcement? Yeah. Uh, okay, so this is my significant other? Yes. All right. Wow. So here's exactly what you have to do. And this shit is so complicated. So it starts with, making sure they know you will love them no matter what. Mm -hmm. So let's be really clear, putting on weight does not make you a bad person. Um, so you've gotta make sure that they understand that you're in it, man, better or worse, like it doesn't matter. And yeah. th the way we used to talk about it was, I want you to imagine a scenario where you are horribly, horribly burned. And I don't wanna hear some bullshit speech about leave and go be with somebody else, like, I'm in this shit and this is about sharing an experience and while that is not the ideal path, if you're going to let me pick the path that I want to go down, I'm not leaving you if you get burned. By the way, this is how you build the kind of trust that we built yeah. is we had these kind of conversations. So it's like, look, I don't think you wanted me to put on weight, but I never felt like you were going to leave me if I right. put on weight. No, so not. now I'm in a safe space. I know that this person loves and cares about me. I know that they're ride or die. I know that they're going to be for me no matter what happens. Like that is first and foremost in the relationship. Like they've got to know, like, because people overeat the same reason that they do any drug because they're trying to get a brain chemistry reaction. They're trying to feel a certain way. They're trying to pick up their spirits. They're trying to feel better about themselves. So, Or they have a sugar addiction. Yeah, but even if you burn sugar, I think you're looking for, because 99.999% of the people listening to this podcast, even if they're high protein, are burning glucose as their primary fuel source. If mm. we want to get real technical sure. real fast here. So it's... That is more like you're addicted to the dopamine release of eating a Snickers bar or a bag of M&Ms or a bowl of ice cream. And it is awesome. And that is why you get it. And so finding one, you just need the safety. You need emotional safety. They need to feel good about themselves. You need to be helping them feel good about themselves. Then from there, it's like outlining what it is you guys are, what are your goals? What are you trying to accomplish? And here's the problem. If the person isn't like if they don't have a goal that's aligned with either longevity or um, looking good, like if they don't have any interest in like maintaining their physical appearance, it's tough because you're going to tie it to goals and identity, right? And if you're taking away the, the negative pressure of, um, hey, you're putting on weight, I no longer find you attractive, like you have to take that shit off the table because yeah. nothing will spiral them out of control faster than saying like, hey, squidgy pants, like you're headed in the wrong direction, right? That's gonna make anybody retreat within themselves and they're not going, and then they're really gonna turn to food. So ideally you can get them to embrace from an identity perspective 
wanting longevity, wanting um, optimal cognitive performance, not having the afternoon crash, like really go for something rudimentary that you can um, help them beyond that because you, you're literally going to have to replace that with some excitement. And then just from a purely technical standpoint, I find if you want people to give up a poor diet, give them a cheat day. So if we turned Saturdays into Christmas and legitimately, I'm not kidding, every single Saturday was as amazing to me as Christmas. This was about four years ago. Four. This was like eight, nine years ago. This was when your brother lived here when it was like straight Christmas yeah. on Saturday when you would wake up and I would be standing outside frosting the glass yeah. at the Cheesecake Factory before they opened because I wanted my cheesecake. He actually did that once. Like, I woke up straight. And huffing on the, the window it was our cheat day i woke up in the morning oh, it was like 11 o'clock and we'd got a late night and and my brother stayed over yeah. and i literally opened up thinking you and my brother probably playing video games or something and the house is completely empty yep. and i'm like where did he go i don't like where would he go on like a saturday 11 like normally you'd be home and i call you and like yeah me and your brother was outside the cheesecake factory <laughs> waiting for it to open it's like oh god have we gotten there? Is that where we are now? Yeah. yeah so, uh, but the cheat day was miraculous and allowed me to not cheat the rest right. of the time. So, and in all honesty, during that, that was the period in which I, I had to back off a little bit from the hardcore Saturdays. But once I pulled the reins in a little bit, that was the phase when I got really, really. But here's lean. the thing: I think it's much harder for a man to say that to a woman, right? Yeah, there's probably a lot like, more emotion think, tied up yeah. in physicality. And sure. I think that um, worrying whether you're going to still love me if I put on weight or, mm -hmm. you know, um, that would be tough. And, you know, how do you communicate that? And I think your your initial, what you started off with saying is you have to just let them know that you're going to be there no matter what. Like if you're a burn victim, if you get, you know, and God forbid in a car accident, we're paralyzed. Like it is... Like, there's no wiggle room on, like, oh, well, it depends. I'm going to be here if you're like oh, this. God. Like, I can't imagine anything worse. So, you, yeah, so working on that, making sure that she feels like you are a true partner um, and that you will be there for her for anything versus um, unless you put on weight because that's tough. Um, you know, she needs to hear that you truly love her. And then doing it together, right? That's a big thing for me and you. Like, we do things together. So usually when we're going into um, ketosis or we're working, you know, eating to go into ketosis, we'll go into keto together. When we're doing high protein, we'll often communicate so that we do it together. And so that was actually a big thing for us because... I don't know, just feeling like you have that teammate that is willing to do it. So, like, yeah. why is she turning to sugar, right? Like, is it a um, just a pastime where, like, you're kind of bored and you do it? Or is there something emotional? How do you help her through that? Or, like, motivate her, cook together, right? Like, that could be something. We don't do it because you hate cooking. I was going to say, like, that would be the worst solution right. for me. But if I did cook or bake or something, then we would sit down and enjoy it together and it would be that experience and, and you, you know, show interest on what I did differently. And, right. And know, also, can I throw out another random thing? Yeah. Play the long game. Play yeah, the long well. game. Like, you can't ever pressure somebody. Like, if, if your goal is really to help her live or him live a healthier lifestyle, um, and I'll just assume their motives are totally pure. And it's just like, I just want you to be around forever, like as long as humanly possible. Um, don't try to make that change in a week. Don't try to make it in one conversation. Mm -hmm. Think about what does this look like a year from now, two years from now, three yeah. years from now, where I'm playing the long game. It's never pressure. It's always making sure that person feels loved. And it's about wanting to get more in sync. It's about letting them know, hey, I really want to work out. And it would mean the world to me if you would work out with me. And that means I'm very open. Like I'll do like, what kind of workout routine do you want to do? Right? Cause here's where most people fall apart. If I'm playing the long game and I know I want to get you in shape and that um, fitness is a big thing for me. If I have to take a year, two years and do it your way. Cool. Do your aerobics. You want to do yoga? Let's do yoga. Right. Right. And then it's like, you're going to try and call my bluff. No, you never do that. I will show up in the tightest yoga pants <laughs> you've ever seen in your life. Ooh. Like we will go do that yoga. Yeah. Um, just because I know, like, I'm trying, if I'm trying to get over here, like, I'm happy to play that game. You've got those and if, incremental steps. Right. That and you if, if I've done for a year, I did everything you wanted to do from a fitness perspective, right? We did yoga, we're doing soul cycle, like, all mm -hmm. that stuff. And then I say, it's important to me to start hitting the weights. Like, I wanna mix it up. I wanna do half and half now. Mm. Like, you would be 
like that would be quite sinister on your part to not then reciprocate, right? right? And I think most people would feel that way. Yeah. So that's what I mean when I say play the long game. And positive reinforcement. Oh, hell yeah. Right? It's, and you know, we do, we actively do this with each other. And to be honest, like we're not, there's no shame in it. Like we don't, it's like, wow. You know, like, oh, babe, your abs are looking good. Come over here. You know, like, I know that positive reinforcement for you is, you know, like having like the the googly eyes. What are you saying over there? (laughs) Yeah, I was like, I don't know. Where are you headed? What's the rating on this again? (laughs) Help me out, will you? Um, Yes, we'll leave it at positive reinforcement. Yeah, so having that positive reinforcement and, you know, it just encourages them. Like, oh, wow, like what is important? I know what's important to you. And so I know um, what sort of things like, and I will never lie about it, right? I don't just, I won't BS you. But right. if I really think like, wow, you've been working out hard in the gym, I know how you perceive, um, you know, my response or how you want me to respond. And so I will happily do that because I know that that will show you that I really am impressed. So what's that thing for her that he can um, help go to over time? Mm. Like, is it romance, right? Like, oh my God, like we've really been doing like so soul cycle together. Like I really feel bonded with you. Get her flowers. You know, I don't know. Things like that, that it's just positive reinforcement. Sure. Cool. Word. All right. right, We're at the end. We're at the end. Yeah. We're five minutes over. Sorry, guys. Wow. Sorry about that. All right, everybody. Thank you guys so much for joining us. And if this brought value to your life, it would be amazing if you would share it. Uh, we are trying to build this community. That is our big ask right now. So um, if you believe that uh, this is something that somebody else might benefit from as well, please share it. That'd be awesome. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take Bye. care. Peace. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.